everybody and welcome to the vulnerable entrepreneurs coming at you from the great city of Worcester Massachusetts I'm Sean Riley and I'm common Thrath. and today like always we're having a no bullshit conversation about the entrepreneurial way of life hey Sean you and I talk about characteristics of entrepreneurs and leaders and just great people to have on your team all the time and I think a conversation the other day came up with uh, I have a friend who does leadership training and, you know, uh, the challenge that she faces and she's hearing that they're noticing they have to train up their leaders because they're realizing with the economy being so tough now, it's shining a light on these weak leaders. Because when things are great, people just ride in the wave. But now it's right. like there's, there's an obvious split between the good leaders and the bad leaders. So I just want to kind of talk about unpacking maybe certain characteristics that you think makes a, a leader good, you know, which I think kind of overlaps with like entrepreneurship, right? Because you don't have to be an entrepreneur to be a leader. I mean, we had a different episode, right? You can be entrepreneurial, yeah. but not entrepreneur. Sure. Okay, so let's you unpack this. What, what do you think are some characteristics? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I'm actually of the school that believes that being a leader and, and leadership is more about personality traits than it is about skill set. And one of the best examples of that is you could look at General Schwarzkopf, who was in the uh, army during the first Gulf War, and also General Patton during World War II. Now, if anything is more regimented, more structured, and is exactly the same, no matter who you are, it's the United States military, right? So why are some of these people great leaders when everybody's going through the exact same training or to use your point, skill building. Well, that's because my belief anyways, is it's a personality trait, right? So if we assume that that's right for a second, what are those? Like, what are the traits or the, the personality components that make somebody a great leader? I, I think one of them, and I always resort to this, is positivity. You have to be somewhat and I would argue mostly positive as a person to be a great and effective leader, right? I mean, if you're not positive, you're going to negatively affect the team, the group, the whatever it is, right? Are you saying person, like someone overly optimistic or like, let's say someone that's always says, ah, we'll figure it out. Like, I mean, there's, there's different types of positive that's a levels, great. Right? <laughs> that's a great point. I think optimistic is that you always believe it's going to work out, right? Positivity means regardless of how it's going to work out, you're going to be positive about it, regardless of if the outcome is nowhere close to what you thought it was. So you can be optimistic and be positive. I'm not so sure you can be optimistic and not be positive, but optimistic is your hopeful and you think for the most part that you are going to attain whatever outcome it is you're going to attain. Positivity means regardless of how it works out or if it doesn't, you're still keeping your head high and you're not put into a negative light. That's what I think the difference is. Is that almost like grit? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think you just got to care less 
about the environment and more about what you feel, which is why, you know, I think that's vulnerable, but it's why it's more emotional and personality traded than I think it's a skill set that you can learn. It's very hard to learn letting things roll off your back. Like you just, you just need to have that personality trait. Will you fail as a leader if you don't have that? No, I, I wouldn't say that, but I would say it helps you tremendously by not caring about what your environment is or does to you. Just knowing that you have positivity and belief to overcome whatever obstacles the environment puts in front of you. Because your people, I mean, they're seeing you as a leader. They're looking at your mannerism, listening to your Absolutely. tone. Absolutely, yeah. That energy will come out. They'll know if you don't come across positive and confident in that moment when you're talking or training and trying to navigate to write the ship for the company or the situation that, that's happening, it will be game over because yeah. people can sniff that a mile yeah. away. And the thing too is someday we'll get into a chat about energy, but you know, you can't fake it. Like if you go into a room in front of all your people, they're going to tell what, before you say a word, how you feel, whether you're into it, not into it, whether you're negative, not negative, whether the subject matter is something you're passionate about or not, they can feel that you create either energy or you create a void and people can sense that. This is a whole other episode. It's probably a whole season, but there's a reason why dogs will go up to somebody and will not go up to other people. There's a reason, and it's not the dog. There's a reason why you ever have somebody like hold a baby in front of you, you have a, a newborn or relatively a newborn. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that some people, she, she doesn't like to be held, but other people, she's okay. Well, she doesn't know English. She can't speak. It's all energy. It's a reaction to that energy that you're receiving. It's the same thing with with walking into a room. Yes, some people can fake it at least for a short amount of time. But in general, your team can tell just by the vibe you're throwing off. We use it as a phrase. Yep. Oh, that person throws off a bad vibe. Oh, I got bad vibes about going into that room. Well, that's energy. So I think, mm -hmm. I think leadership, it's easy to sell if it's a skill set. Because I can't sell personality. But I can sell skill set. Oh, come, you have to sign up. You have to be a better communicator. I can teach you how to publicly speak blah, blah, blah. That, that, okay. That, that's great. If you don't have positivity and flexibility and a thick skin and belief in yourself, you're never going to be a leader, man. You're just never going to do it. And if well, you, you are work really hard at it and it's, it's going to wear you down because you have to work extremely hard. It's not saying you can't be one. It's just some people, it comes more natural than others. Yeah. Based yeah. on those traits. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. And I also think too, that you have to want to be a leader, right? You have to aspire to be one. And more importantly than that, the aspiration is being okay being one. You ever like been on a sports team and you just kind of, the leader just kind of bubbles to the top. That's what I'm talking about. You have to be okay being who you are. And that, that's actually one of the biggest, you know, traits I would say is before we even put you in front of a team, manage a bunch of people in a company, you have to be okay with yourself because that's where self-confidence comes from. I think one of the biggest traits is having self-confidence. We somehow lop off the first word, which is self. So we say confidence, which argues you get it from other people or your environment. Well, what happens if things are shitty? <laughs> You're not going to get that much confidence, which is why it has to come from 
within, which is why you get to choose, I believe, if you're going to be a positive person or not. And I think that's a huge factor in being an effective leader. Of course, you know, being a leader, everybody can put you in a management position. And I would argue there's two huge differences between being a manager, a, a manager of people and a leader of people. And I think the difference is that managers have a skill set, are taught a skill set, right? And leaders, I believe anyways, are, it's a personality. It's a, it's a personality. People just gravitate towards yeah. people. And a lot of times that person who's getting all that gravitation and ends up being the leader of a group of friends. It could be, you yeah. know, organically happens in, in the workplace. Self-confidence, you're right. I think that's something we should definitely dive in a little bit more because I think right now leaders are kind of looking in the mirror and trying to figure out, am I at the right place? Am I doing the right things? Can I help my team? You know, right, things are falling apart. We're losing people. So there's, you're going to go through challenges. I think as a leader, you have to understand it's like now it's, I think we had this analogy earlier where you, you're either practicing with blanks versus live fire, like in the military. That's right. And it's yeah, a little easier, right. like when the economy is great and everything, it's easy, things are moving. But now when it gets real, you're like, okay, did I train for this? I think I did. You have to just commit. You make a decision and you commit and you go yeah. with it. And you learn from the errors or the failures, what do you want to call it? The mistakes you learn from it. You know, you can't let that define you, but the difference between one leader and another is one that keeps moving forward and keeps having confidence saying like, I know I can lead this team. I can lead this people versus those like have self-doubt. Yeah. You know, the other thing too, which will sound almost contradictory is that a leader has to be okay being alone. And I mean, at first being alone, alone, like going to a movie theater by yourself, you feel weird, go into a restaurant and have dinner by yourself. And what that does is it builds your self-confidence a little bit. Oh, I can do this. Oh, it doesn't feel weird. Oh, and this is, again, goes back to, do you let your environment control you or do you control your environment? And I think that one of the biggest things leaders can do is understand kind of where their weak point is and where their bending point is and work towards getting through that. And one of them is having enough self-confidence to not only be in a group of people and lead, but be self-confident enough that you can literally be by yourself and be okay with that. Does that have anything to do with leadership? No, but it builds your self-confidence, which is critical to being a leader. When everybody in the, there's not a whole lot of difference between sitting in a restaurant when you are the only one by yourself and pitching an idea in a conference room that nobody agrees with. It's the same thing. Your environment is essentially agnostic at best. Sterile probably is a better word. Nobody cares in a restaurant if you're by yourself and nobody cares if you're pitching an idea that they hate other than they hate it. So it's kind of the same thing. So you mm -hmm. have to be able to have enough self-confidence that says, yeah, I'm going to get through dinner just like I'm going to get through pitching this horrible idea because I believe in myself that this is the right thing for your company, your team, your organization, whatever it is. Self-confidence is, and we've talked about this a little bit, is really a thread of being an, an effective and accomplished leader is having self-confidence. I mean, how many times do we let our environment control us? Oh, this happened, so I'm in a bad mood. I mean, think of the choice you just made by doing that. I don't feel like getting up today, it's raining. 
oh, the gym was packed. I didn't have a good workout. Like it's crazy what we as humans use as justification not to do something. It's insane actually, <laughs> right? We, we, I think we had this conversation, Sean, around stress. Like you said, stress is man-made because as a leader, there's a lot of stress, right? But then it's like, okay, you have all this stuff happening around you, but you can control how you take that. You control yeah. the focus. Yep. And now don't let that crumble you. If you know all this, however you want to, if you want to turn that into stress or you turn it into refocusing and prioritizing. Do you think that a lion gets stressed about eating every day? You think a bird gets stressed out about jumping off a, a branch and it's not going to be able to fly? No. Do you think they're frightened? They're not frightened either. Fear and stress are man-made, human-made. Like there's no other animal on the planet that says, oh yeah, I'm not going to fly today. I don't feel good. Yeah, you got to fly. In order for you to go from point A to point B, you got to fly, man, if you're a bird. So you do it. A lion isn't going to sit there and say, oh my God, there's not enough food around here. I'm not going to eat today. What am I going to do? It goes out and it hunts. And if it doesn't find anything, it keeps hunting and keeps hunting. And it doesn't know failure. It knows hunger and that's it. So it's fearless. You know, do we summarize that as is fearless and courageous the same thing? I think we talked about courageous being a trait. It's a blended. Yeah, I think that's, it's a hard distinction. I think that you can be uh, courageous without being fearful. I think that just because you're afraid of something and you go and do it, yes, does that make you courageous? I, I guess so, depending on what it is, but you can be courageous and not be fearful. In other words, you, you could do something that maybe you don't want to do. It doesn't mean you're afraid of it and still be courageous. And, you know, not to lump everybody in one big bucket, but I think anybody that starts a company is courageous, whether it's successful or not. It's not about, you know, we'll get to this too. It's not about- You, you can have that. fear, right? It, it's, I think that's normal right. trait. You can't avoid it, but courageous is taking that step forward when everyone else isn't or making the decision when everyone else is hesitating. Yeah. I think the difference is having fear is not doing something being courageous is doing it, is actually going to do it. You're not courageous until you do something. You're fearful, which typically means you won't do something, T typically, right? And once you go and do whatever that is, you have moved from being fearful to courageous. And again, I always go back to how much do you let your environment control, arguably, who you are? It's a sad thing when somebody says they can't do something because of anything other than a choice that they make. And really what it comes down to is that when you are fearful or when you don't do something because of something in the environment, oh, this person, I'm not going to wear this sweater again because this person said I looked ugly, right? At the moment you do that, you have now created a convenience for you not to do something. You've taken something that you would have done and you've made it easy not to do that. And, and think about leadership. Oh, well, the market's changed. So we can't do this anymore. Well, no, you could do it. It's a choice, though. It's a choice. You know, you got to do, as they say in Boston, you got to do the hard, right? You got to do what's hard sometimes. And that's what yep. is a big differentiator. You know, being the 
we, we were talking about this as we were ramping up for this amazing episode that we have is that we're talking about a lot of this. We said this in season one, that it's really personality traits that make you up. It's not really skill set, And it's where you manifest your confidence and a whole variety of other things, but it's not business related. I bet you're an awesome communicator in your marriage when things are great. Oh, we're talking about vacations and, oh, do you want to rent a car? Oh my God, this is great. When do you want to fly out? Should we get matching shirts? All that stuff. It's great. It's great when things are great, right? Being a leader is awesome. You must be listening oh. in my life. <laughs> oh, returns shirts, yeah. for this year, we, we <laughs> made max revenue. We grew by this percentage. Oh my God, the company's doing awesome. I must be a great leader because I'm leading and this is all doing great. So this is all on me. You've just let your environment dictate how great of a leader you are. How about when things are shitty, when you can't stand the person you're laying next to? Well, that's when who you are as a leader comes out. You, you got to lead despite that. You got to be a husband despite that. You got to be a roommate, coworker, team member, significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, father, you know, son, any of that. In the bad times, you could do the hard. That to me is the truest measure of your personality, which is another way to say of how good of a leader your revenue is tanking. You're either going to lay off people or people are quitting. You've made horrible decisions in the past. Do you have what it takes to continue to lead? You know, your point about shooting blanks. Yeah, I can be an awesome leader. Wow, Sean's awesome. Look how he keeps his troops in line and everybody's marching the same way. And that's amazing. And, you know, they're shooting blanks. What happens when all of a sudden it's live fire to your point? Oh my God. Like how good of a leader are you then when it's hitting the fan, when almost any misstep you make is going to cost in that case, horribly dearly, but same thing in business. Yeah. Eventually someone has to make that decision and it's, it's not an easy role, but for those that are doing it well, they were able to work through the hard stuff. They're able to yeah be just nice and steady and show confidence to everyone around them, regardless if it was the right or wrong decision. I think when you follow a leader who has that confidence and that energy, you will follow them anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I coached, I coached, as you know, lacrosse for a long, long time. And it puts it into perspective. One year I was coaching this indoor team and we got slotted into this particular level. I think it was silver, say, whatever it was. And we won every game. We won every game by way too many points. And we killed everybody. And I'm like, <clears throat> guys, you have to put it in perspective. Like, are we a great team or do we just play bad teams? Like, you have to put it in perspective, right? There's a reason why we won every game. I can tell you right now, fellas, it's not because we're the best team out there, right? So we played in the next session and they're like, well, I mean, obviously silver wasn't a good fit for you. We're going to move you up to gold. Got crushed. We lost every game by way too many. Like some games, I'm not even sure if we were even present. It was 12 zip before the clock even got to five minutes left. And it's a 12 minute quarter. And I just looked at the team. I'm like, see, like, it's all about perspective. We're the same team, right? We're exactly the same team. What changes the environment and it's how we change to that environment. Where does our self-confidence go? Where, where does it go? It's easy to have self-confidence when you're 22, nothing, and you're just 
beating the crap out of another team. But what about if it's the other way around? And it's humbling. I think coaching is the best way. I always recommend if anybody can be a coach to do it just for the self gratification of you want to see how good of a leader you are. I mean, in my case, I coached 36 high school kids that would have walked off a cliff for me and never asked why that's a sense of leadership whether you win the game or not are they going to fight for you at every single possible second it's the same thing with a business you know loyalty a, a we don't talk about this so much and maybe we should sometime loyalty is a downstream effect of leadership whether that's good or bad it's still true we briefly People, talked about it in one episode i think but we didn't dive deeper into it yeah people for right or wrong i'm not suggesting either way but right or wrong loyalty is a downstream effect it's an output to effective leadership i'm not sure that it specifically creates loyalty but it certainly opens the door for someone who might be on the fence is this a good company is this the right job is this the right culture is he the right boss when you display a good sense of leadership not just for what you're doing but who you are you create an inner space for someone to become loyal. Will they definitely know? No, but you give an opportunity for that to happen. Is that a form of trust? I think what I'm hearing here, like it's an output of trust. I like think that leadership is all about trust. I think that really what you're doing by being an effective leader is creating the opportunity for your team, organization, whatever it is, family, significant other to trust you. I say this a lot in my personal life. One of the biggest pet peeves I have is people that say they're going to do something and don't do it. I would just rather you not say you're going to do it. I'm a, I'm a caveman. I'm, I'm stupid, but not bright, I should say. So I just, if you say you're going to do something, yeah, I pretty much trust that you're going to do it. And when you don't, the first thing that goes is, oh, well, he said they were going to do it. So the next time it becomes more difficult. As a leader, you can't just say you have to do. And honest to God, people are going to respect you more if you just don't say you're going to do something. If you can't do it, don't do it. Right? That's so true. I was going to bring that up earlier. I think it's those leaders, even you see those generals and those captains, they're in the trenches with you. They're in the front. Yeah. They're, they're like side by side. So there's a lot of respect for employees when they see you helping or doing the work or showing them how to do the work versus yeah. just kind of like telling them, you exactly. know, it's, it's like, do it. And one thing that I, I even tell my team members, and I, I don't mind it too, is I will go into each department, each role within my company and ask and say, Hey, can I shout at you? Can I see what you guys are doing? And yeah. then I even try it out. Just for me, it's just my mind likes to tinker. So I like to try it out. And then, then I actually learned some new skills. I become more well-rounded person. Yep. professionally and personally, but you build that camaraderie now with your team members and employees because they're seeing that you're taking the time and the energy and the focus to care about what they're doing. I think that's a, a valid point. You know, there's that great cartoon that shows up like on social media. The first frame of it is a manager and he's sitting in a desk facing the employees and the desk is higher and bigger and all that. And it looks like he's saying something to them. And then you have a picture of a leader and they're sitting, there's no desk. It's completely flat. And he's sitting with everybody else. In other words, you can't even tell he's the leader. Um, there's another one where 
the manager, everybody's pulling this, I don't know if it's a wagon or some really heavy thing and everybody's in the front and the manager's in the back yelling at them. And then there's another frame where the leader is the first one pulling the rope of whatever it is they're pulling. So to your point, it's not just saying, it's about doing. And again, you have to have the self-confidence you know, to do that. And that's I don't think you should from. be a leader if you think that's what it is. It's like you're commanding or managing all these people. You're being a leader because you enjoy what the responsibility is of that role. Yeah, that's right. I think being a manager, I, I think there are great managers that are horrible leaders. And in our society, what is the first thing you do if you're a great manager or the first thing the organization does? They elevate you to a position of higher authority, which is going to, to some degree, demand higher leadership and strategy and vision. All three of those have nothing to do with being a great manager of people. You can't have a vision as a great manager that is, you know, doing something that is true truly effective, but has nothing to do with necessarily with the overall vision of the company. But that's what we do. We, oh yeah, he's such a good manager. Let's make him a more of a manager where more of his job role is now strategic. Well, nobody said he was strategic. Well, that's what we have to do to elevate that person. We see that all often. Yeah, we see a lot of, I agree. I see it all the time. Like all you're the not time. really, you sh probably shouldn't be a sales manager just because you are the top performing salesperson. Absolutely. Because <laughs> what it does is it assumes that you operate in a vacuum, right? It assumes that you don't get any influence from your current manager or leader. So when you become that person, right? All of a sudden, where'd my support system go? Where are the, the things that I used to rely on to do my job that well? Well, you don't have them anymore. Now you're a leader. Well, you don't just become a leader. You already have that inside of you. It's not a, a being a leader is not a job position. Being a manager is. And it's like anybody can become a parent. It's a science experiment, right? Anybody can become a parent. Being a good one is the hardest job anybody's ever had of a man or a woman. Being a, a parent's easy. It's a science experiment. Being a manager's easy. You manage these people to something, you know, being general on purpose, but being a manager is a lot easier than being a leader. Because you already have to have that inside of you to be a leader. Manager, you don't. Here you go. Make the mm -hmm. widgets. And here are the six people that work for you. And if they don't make the widgets, you're failing. Right? Wrong. That's the barometer. Well, you, you can't apply that to being a, a dad or a husband. You, you have to have that inside you already. And days are never the same, especially we're seeing a lot of complex situations. People are leaving rapidly. Now you have understaff, you have people with uh, a lot more emotional, they're handling a lot of like emotional stress, right? So like we're seeing the he uh, mental health arising. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about flexibility because being a good leader, you have to be very flexible. Now you might be regimented. I think at, when things are great, right? You have this routine, you're regimented, you're, you know, you die in the I's, crosses and T's. But you also not only get to be detail oriented, but you also need to be flexible. Yeah. And, and right. ebb and flow with what's happening because you're not going to be flexible. You're going to break. That's exactly right. I think that being flexible, we need to be absorbative, right? We need to be a sponge. We need to bring in these inputs and not have them just bounce off of us. 
without having control over that. We need to absorb it and think about it and then act or react based on what that is. You can't just be a rigid person, particularly in bad times where, no, this is the way it's done. We got to do it this way. That's not a leader. It's probably a bad manager, but it's not a leader. You have to be flexible, Calm. To your point, you have to be okay with being flexible with stuff you don't even know it's coming. Like who would have predicted a pandemic? Who would have predicted the workforce acting the way it has, however you feel about that, good or bad, because of the pandemic? Who would have thought the pandemic was going to start to go away and then come back worse? Like if that's not the the definition of flexibility and being absorptive, I don't, it cracks me up these companies that'll be like, well, we're definitely going back to the office and everybody's required to go back to the office in October of 2021. Most of those companies moved it to 2022. So there you are saying specifically you're not flexible, but then you have to be. You have to be. I think being flexible is as important as being positive. To be rigid, I just think in good times, sure, yeah, this is how we do it. You look at all the money we're making, revenues are up. My relationship's great. Our marriage is kick ass because everything's good. Yeah, but you can't be that same way when things are horrible. You have a child that's awesome, happy baby. The minute you brought him or her home from the hospital, slept through the night, feeds all the time, kick ass. Oh, I'm the best dad in the world. Then you have another baby, colicky. He can't stand going to bed, has to be driven. And you don't even know what it is he or she wants to make him or her satisfied. Well, Mm -hmm. being rigid, say, well, it worked for my first. Why doesn't it work for, that doesn't cut it, man. It doesn't nope. cut it. You're going to be absorptive and flexible and you don't even have any idea what's going to be, what's coming. None. I think this is a good segue to potentially the last trait here is like being a really good listener. Yeah. And really absorbing and comprehending and understanding and being sympathetic and empathetic, like all of that, you know, that emotional intelligence that we're hearing a lot about. So just really being a good listener and, and then trying to see what you can do differently to, and then there's a lot of different types of variables too. So it's tough when you have so many different personalities. So any challenges, like one strategy is not going to work. There's got to be multiple and that's okay. Right. You know, Cause you have to be listening and you have to be attending and caring for each of these different groups or individuals right eventually you're built this whole team this whole machine has to be running smoothly well and you know what i I think that you've touched on something what does it mean to be a good listener when exactly what you just said happens all the time like you communicate differently with me than you do with your team not because i'm different because we're all different and listening to one person is very different than listening to another. And one of the things that I was taught in one of the professional development programs I did was oftentimes we listen to react. Okay, I'm gonna listen to what Calm says. And as soon as he's done, I've absorbed it really quick. I think I understand it, which is very different than actually understanding it. So I'm just gonna rip off and okay, yeah, Calm, well, I think this and I think that and you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm listening just to react. I'm just essentially waiting for you to stop talking so that I can start, right? That's essentially what it is. So we don't want to listen to respond. We want to listen to understand. I don't have a preset opinion yet of what you're saying. 
I'm going to listen to everything you say. Then I'm going to send it back to you to make sure that not only I heard what you said from a functional perspective, I understand what you're saying. Then I'm going to react or respond. I'm going to give you what my response is. And typically it's my opinion. You know, what did I, was it Gandhi that said the person that is doing all the talking is only listening to themselves and the person that's doing the listening is listening to the other people or something like that. But my point is listening is not just not talking. <laughs> listening is actually absorbing and trying to understand and then sending it back to you. Come. So what I understand you're saying is X, Y, Z. Is that right? And, you know, mm -hmm. we did an episode you and I about the laziness that's created where oh, I'll just send comma text. You have no idea what I mean. You read the words, but you don't have any idea. Oh, you sound pissed off today. No, literally just getting on subway, you know, and you lose all that. So I think that it's not as good. We can't get away with just listening. We have to be an active hearer of what you're saying and not do it for our own gratuitous reasons, which is I can't wait for Khan to stop talking so I can start. That's not how it goes, man. In my younger years of attending meetings and even like sales calls, there are certain people in the room that are completely quiet and they're leaders, right? And I'm like, why is this person not saying anything? They're not care. They just weren't engaging. But actually they're, to your point, they're listening to really understand. They're taking it in and it's okay not to respond that moment. You rather respond when you have all the information so that you can respond with good intent, you know, ob ob hopefully the best you can objectively, right? Not subjectively, but objectively. Right. And I used to wonder why like someone would go to a meeting and even like, you know, if we go to a meeting, there's four decision makers, but one of them just doesn't talk the whole time. And it's almost, it could be a little chilling, but it's a choice because they're probably one of the most influential people in that group. Cause they got to go back, debrief with their other stakeholders because they're the ones that actually absorb probably the most information because they didn't say anything. They listened the whole time. They probably took really good, either written notes or mental notes. So keep an eye on that. When you're out there looking at going to meetings, that quiet person in the room might be the most influential and probably oh, yeah. potentially could be one of the best leaders. Well, that's on, what's that quote. Like you never be afraid of the loudest person in the room, but always be afraid of the one that's silent. Those are the ones you got to worry about. And it's <laughs> true. I think that what we've talked about today is being absorbative and being flexible in all of those things and being self-confident and all of those things also play into being a good communicator, which arguably gives you the potential to be a good leader. You have to listen. To be a great leader, you have to listen more than talking. You, you might get a great idea that you never would have gotten if you weren't listening, right? And it's a work in progress because of course, like, you know, Sean, you and I talk about all this stuff in theory. A lot of stuff is not theory, like there's scientific proof, but it's hard. Like I still have to work on it. You know, yeah. um, I know what I need to do. Just like working out or dieting, you know what you need to do, but sometimes you veer off, you, you, know, you have a treat or you take a day off. It's tough as leaders because people rely on you and you can't take a day off, right? But you know, even my personal life, when you said, I listened to respond, I did that for quite some time when I was early years of marriage and my wife was like, come, you're, you're not listening. I'm like, yeah, like I'm regurgitating what you're saying. She's like, no, but you're not understanding. You might be hearing it, but you're not understanding. Yes, you are regurgitating but you really aren't comprehending what I'm, what I'm meaning or right. feeling. So like, that was something I really, I've been improving on. I'm not perfect. Probably like a lot of other males out there. I'm not perfect. 
<laughs> or cavemen. Um, or cavemen. But, it's true. But I've gotten feedback from my wife and even my team members. You know, I've improved a lot on that side of listening. I guess I'm just so anxious to solve the problem, to fix the problem. Sometimes you just need to really, really listen. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that that is an episode that we will focus on because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as humans to always change who we are and get better. But yet we never understand to some degree who we started as. Men are physiologically wired to want to help fix, save, protect, all of that stuff. The worst thing you can say to a man is, honey, I don't want you to do anything. I just need you to listen. What, what? No, no, no. I got to go beat that person over the head with a club. I got to go make fire. I got to go kill to get food. What do you, what do you mean? Just listen. I, I don't even know what that means. What do you mean? You don't want me to fix it. No, no. I have to go fix it. I have to go do something. No, no. I just, I just want you to, I just want you to listen now. Sorry. I mean, I'll sit here and listen to you, but then I'm going to go do something. We're animals, but humans are animals and we're wired. Men are wired to go protect and we're to make safe and to fix something that's broken. We can't do anything about it. I just need you to listen. Oh yes, I can. Let me go. I'm going to go blow this up. I'm going to go send a nasty email to this person. I'm going to go get in their face. It's like, <laughs> that's not even what they asked us to do. Right. You know, I'm already like, like the kids need something. I'm already like trying to buy stuff on Amazon. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you like go off and like start yeah. buying things, like let's think this through. Let's think this right. through. <laughs> exactly. It's, so I think we should dedicate an episode. Yeah, I think to so. That. And along the same lines, I think our next episode, we should talk about choice. We spend a lot of time hiding behind, I should have done that, or I could have done that. You either want to do it or you don't. And there's no in between. You either do it or you don't do it. I get a lot of pushback from some of these mentoring groups because everything is a choice, including your positivity and everything in our life truly is a choice. We just like to not think so. I mean, look at it this way. Gray, the color gray was invented by humans. We mix black and here it comes and white. We took something that has two starkly different colors and we mix them up. Oh, well, Sean, it's not all black and white. It absolutely is. It's black or white. Gray is <laughs> what we create, so we don't have to do something. Everything we have is a choice. And that's an episode in and of itself, my friend. Absolutely. All right, I, put, I put that down in my notes here. Well, thank you for those who listened all the way through. Uh, until next time, my man, Sean, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, my man. Reach out if you guys have any questions and other ideas for us to chat about. All right, cheers. Cheers. Find us on Facebook and LinkedIn at The Vulnerable Entrepreneurs. Twitter and Instagram at The VE Podcast. The VE Vulnerable Entrepreneur Podcast. And join the conversation by visiting us on our website, thevepodcast.com, and email us at hello at thevepodcast.com. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. That wraps it up. We understand that every minute of your day is valuable, and we appreciate you spending time with us today.